So, uh, Timothy, what's up with your Xbox? Is it like toast? <gasps> yes. My Xbox uh... One X is toast. Will not display uh, video anymore. That's not good at all. No. Yeah, I had a freak out moment because you told me you were having these problems. And then I went downstairs the other night, fired up my Xbox to play Apex with you guys. And uh, I, I couldn't get a video signal. And I was like, oh, crap, what's going on? And it just turned out that the um, I have a couple like HDMI splitter things to make the whole mm. setup work, and yeah, uh, it wasn't on. <laughs> so plug it in. Oh, hey, See, look at that! It works. <laughs> See, the funny thing is, like Ooh. eliminating devices just made me more and more scared because mm-hmm. it was like, okay, so I bypassed the receiver; it's still not working. So that's either my Xbox, which would suck. Or it's my TV, which would really suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, of the two, I'm glad it was the Xbox and not the television. Yeah. Uh, yep. But that still totally just sucks. Because yep. have you figured out, are you going to like get a replacement and then sell the S? Or Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, I It's just such, it's such bad timing. Mm. Yeah. Like th- <laughs> three months later, and I would, I would just bear it out and just deal with the S and tell the series x comes out but i just don't know if i can handle it until probably you're, you're november talking, you gotta get six, and you gotta get it before uh disintegration comes out i, pr- I probably won't because uh, i think since i'm gonna get a new one i'm probably gonna get the cyberpunk one when's that ship oh. it's uh in in june they just said it's gonna be available in june oh, okay. so maybe it could maybe be before right it then might not be when's when's cyberpunk 2020 ship september oh okay so i had assumed that the console was coming out with the game like the like the halo reach one did well and it could be that they're just not mark they're not uh uh messaging it well and maybe it won't come out until then and they're just going to put the pre-orders up in june if that's the case then i'll just end up buying a regular one but from the way they're wording it it's coming out in june so well, and that that was that game was originally intended to come out earlier, right? So they they probably, you know, at some point they have the hardware ready, and to just ship the hardware, that's not that big of a deal, right? Like, eh, it's early, but it's not hurting anyone. To otherwise, it's just sitting in sitting in boxes somewhere. Right, well, and I'm pretty sure if it's up to Microsoft, it'll come out in June. Because if it's in September, I think a lot less people will be willing to get it since the Series X is coming out a couple months later. We didn't get a spaceship launch today. No. It made me sad. Yeah. But safety first. Safe. Yeah. And second and third. <laughs> third. <laughs> and then a uh, oh. big giant uh, rocket controlled explosion number four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting. This was maybe the first time in my adult life that I remember like having multiple people from different like friend groups and stuff. Even like Stephanie texted me about like, 
hey, are you watching the launch today? I that was pretty special. Yeah, um, same. As someone who who was you know too young to really remember the shuttle program outside of like I saw it on TV when I was like ten or whatever. But yeah, I yeah. I mean, you were like you were still in grade school when the I was kind of a baby, ended, right? <laughs> I mean, I think I think the last shuttle launch for me, I think I was in college. So, uh, what did they so say? That, it's been ten years. So that's what amazed me. Uh, apparently, the space shuttle program ended in two thousand eleven. I could have sworn it was like two thousand six. Yeah, it was like when I was in college. Yeah, did they slow? I think they maybe just slowed down. Yeah, they, they did. did. Yeah, I remember. I remember the final landing when they, you know, when they came back for the last time. Mm. Um, and then they shipped, I don't, I don't remember which shuttle it was, but when they shipped the the shuttle, like across country, that was kind of a cool thing. Oh yeah. On the 747. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean the, the shuttle program was only kept going, I believe to support the space stations. So I believe that's the only reason why it lasted as long as it did. That sounds right. Unfortunately. I mean, the, the thing about the, the shuttle program is that the, the shuttle's are not long distance vehicles. There's, there's no way a shuttle like that is ever making it to the moon. Um, so it did only have a really, you know, a viable lifespan of X number of years, um, before it needs to be, or needed to be replaced by something else. That's, you know, uh, more future proof. Yeah. Well, and also I believe the space station, what was it? Was it Space Lab? Is that the one it was supporting? So, you know, once Space Lab was done, when it was the program was over, there was no reason to do it. I could be wrong about all this, but if that's what I seem to remember. That sounds right. I was looking up because there was a mirror and the International Space Station. Um, I was looking at the timeline because when the Columbia shuttle burned up on re-entry that was 2003 and yep. I'm, I'm sort of I, it didn't feel to me like the program lasted much longer than that but it was you know almost another decade yeah kind of wild but anyway uh yeah i was i was super excited about you know a new new space program sort of a new new era private-esque um you know, space launches and at least privately developed rocket programs. Um, if that's going to happen anywhere, it's going to happen America. <laughs> but yeah, scrub, scrub due to, yeah, scrub due to weather. Yeah. So the new, the new launch window is, uh, Saturday. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Three days is what they, so yeah, I'll definitely be tuning in this weekend. That's, I just think that that stuff's so cool and watching, you know, SpaceX evolve over the last, I don't know, four or five years has been really, really neat. And anytime they even just do a a satellite launch, I'll tune in just to watch those, uh, those, uh, what the, the rocket boosters land back down on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. That's such a cool, That's it's, so it's cool. like a party trick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey, SpaceX, do the thing where you put your booster back on a landing pad out in the middle of an ocean. It's kind of crazy how long it's taken to get reusable stuff going. Because they, 
like NASA had a reusable program before before the shuttle was even retired. And I remember like it was it was basically that it would have this giant mechanical slingshot that would chuck it into like low no, I don't even know if it would be orbit, just high enough that then it could use regular boosters instead of like attach attachable boosters. And I think that just they got their money cut and so they never even got like a concept working or anything. Story of NASA. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, this makes me think about um, you know, now that I'm a dad and like sharing the world with my kid. It's it's weird. Like uh, this is like a whole different thing, but now that like I have a kid, I the perception of the world has changed. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> it really does. Yeah. It's crazy. And, it, it, and you can't describe it uh, to anybody because if you try, they just look at you like you're weird. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like I was thinking about this, this rocket launch and then sort of my mind wandered to, you know, at, when I was a kid, you know, my dad told me stories about this, you know, the Saturn V and we had models of, of the, like giant, like cool models of the Saturn V that my dad had built and there was like the space shuttle and um, all sorts of test planes and things. And I had always, you know, you hear in, uh, you know, interviews with people about the like the awesome power of being at a Saturn V launch or being at a shuttle mm-hmm. launch. And that's something I always thought like, wow, that'd be really cool to do. But it was not even remotely in the wheelhouse of things that was going to be like something I could do as a kid. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, and then the program, you know, went away by the time I could actually get myself to Florida, uh, they just, you know, they stopped doing it. And so it wasn't even in my mindset that this is like something that, you know, maybe I could go see a launch someday. Uh, and so now with, you know, bringing launches back to the U S um, I was thinking, wow, it'd be really cool to, you know, to take Finn to the launch site and, yeah, um, you know, like maybe when he's eight years old or something, like that'd be a really cool thing to do. But yeah. So it was uh, strange to sort of like just my my mind started wandering and then I caught myself. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but it's cool. I think it, I think it might be something on Saturday where, you know, if it is happening, well, I'll probably put it on the big TV and, you know, I'll let uh, Claire watch that. I don't know if she'll ever remember it or take anything away from it, but, um, she likes airplanes, so that, you know it's yeah. like an airplane. It's like an airplane that goes really vertical, and and doesn't and doesn't really look anything like an airplane. Look anything like an airplane. <laughs> they're they're going to go where Groot is from, space. <laughs> <laughs> she has a uh, an I am Groot uh, book. It's quite entertaining. That's pretty cute. Are all the words in it I am Groot? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Does she read it to you? Um, you know, I haven't asked her to, but that is one that she could because she knows all the words. There you go. <laughs> It'll be adorable. That would be awesome. I will, uh, I'll have her do that and report back. Uh, let's see. What else, what else do we have here? Um, the FBI is at war with Apple about encryption on 
your devices. Mm-hmm. Surely not. So this is a nice light-hearted subject. <laughs> <laughs> the th- the thing that just doesn't make any sense to me about it is they're not actually having any trouble getting into the phones. So why are they pestering Apple so much about it? That's what doesn't make any sense to me. Like they so far they have not had a phone that a third-party company hasn't been able to get into for them. Mhm. They just want it done faster. So so why are they going after Apple to get this done? Maybe it's because they foresee a point where like they're trying to cut this off, you know, at ahead the, of time. Yeah. Because the, the the fact of the matter is the encryption the reason they can get into these devices is usually there's a sec, either like some crazy security loophole which have been like more and more and more cut off. Or in the case of uh, the Pensacola terrorists shooting attack, um, like the, the most recent one, uh, turns out that he had a six-digit passcode mm-hmm. <laughs> on his phone, which is something that you can brute force. Um, yeah. Given, you know, hardware access to the phone's internals. And it just takes time. Which I'll I have a six-digit code. Yeah, I have also a six-digit code. Because if you don't have anything super sensitive on there, totally not worth <laughs> entering a full <laughs> password when your no. face ID doesn't work. No. Uh, yeah, worst case scenario, they're going to get a lot of baby photos. And you know <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe they'll just make their day better. Uh, don't don't kid yourself. We all know about that folder on your phone <laughs> <laughs> that you don't let anybody see. <laughs> folder on my phone i guess that's a thing now right with ios what 13 <laughs> yeah there's there's the files app. yeah okay all right yeah there's files apps. I, was, I was like i can't even get a folder on my phone like i didn't i actually didn't know how to translate it to phone but it works so it worked yeah it's that it's that award-winning screenplay i must get a hold of it it's, it's my magnum opus it's also my first one so oh it's all downhill from here <laughs> yeah magnum opus that's what that's what you call that folder <laughs> yeah but the o is a zero. Oh, <laughs> clever you are a techie oh yeah hacksaw uh yeah so but like apart from the entire concept of the fbi complaining when they don't have anything to complain about but like there's this whole bizarre thing where they are trying to specifically string up apple on this stuff and it just makes no sense um i mean they're 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 actually the biggest holdouts that's why they like by a long shot that may be the case but the number of phones that are out there is uh, maybe maybe that's the point maybe they don't have any trouble getting into any android phone and so they don't need to no that's what i'm saying is google Google is not a holdout because Google allows, like, say what you will about Apple. It's annoying. Their strict app uh, rules are pretty annoying. Uh, as someone who knows several people that have made apps, they complain about it all the time. But it makes it so there isn't a backdoor built into your phone that somebody that doesn't know what they were doing or does maliciously know what they're doing put on your phone. Who on who that has Google isn't installing some app that's not from the Google store because anybody can do it without doing anything to their phone. So 
most people have some kind of backdoor into their phone that they don't even realize is there. I think I think it's because Apple, if you pulled a random person off the street, they're not going to have some kind of app that's that's uh, compromising the security of their phone. And the average uh, Android user probably does. Yeah, I mean, that argument is about the uh, really it's inherently about the architecture of the system. Sure. And the iPhone has been developed from the beginning to be a more secure computing platform. And with that comes a whole bunch of annoyances, uh, you know, for power users, especially, um, which is, I think is why a lot of people who consider themselves, you know, techies, uh, want to go with Androids because yep. they can install, I don't, you know, root, root <laughs> access command line, whatever, like crazy thing you want to do on your phone because they consider it a pocket computer. Yeah. Not a, you know, isolated device. Um, whereas I think Apple rightly so pictures the phone as like this incredibly sensitive repository of information about every single person who has one. Yeah. Well, it's j- much more so than your average computer. Yes, absolutely. I think, yeah, I think Apple's been treating your phone like it's your wallet since the beginning. Right. Yeah. This is, this is something where you keep your pictures of your kids and where you have your identification, even um, your contact list. Yeah. Or your magnum opus, your magnum <laughs> opus. So, you know, yeah, I think we're all pretty heavy Mac users here, but, or, or Apple, Apple users in, in some regard. Um, so I, I don't want to sound biased, but it just, it blows my mind that, people are so willy nilly with their, with their mobile devices that have that kind of information on it, Mm -hmm. especially with the growing inclusion of, you know, payment methods and things like that. Well, and I mean, there is a certain amount of argument of who cares about my data and, and for a lot of people that's totally valid. It's like, Mm -hmm. nobody cares about my data, especially because you might not have data that actually anybody cares about. But it's that's a very short sighted view is the problem, and they don't realize that. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm firmly of the opinion that like my data is my data. I don't yeah. really. It may not be that like I have anything particularly interesting or secretive or whatever, but it is still mine, and I'm the one who gets to choose who sees it. I mean, you know what my favorite thing that apple's done for privacy and security recently is the sign in using your apple id where you can hide your email from yes oh yeah that That was huge every opportunity i have it's so cool yeah that was a big change um yeah so if you don't know like with ios 13 um they introduced a new um sign in with apple id and they basically made it so that anybody who supports what so what was it so anybody who supports uh login through a like a third party service via you know in your app had to also support this sign in with your apple id function and that meant that you know anyone who had an app and they said oh you can log in with facebook or you can log in with google or you can log in with amazon like they had to add a and you can log in with your apple id 
unless it was specific to that company. Right. So like right, right, right. a Google app, you don't have to add. I mean, the, uh, was it called? Uh, is it OAuth? Is that the, um, I can never remember. I think so. All the names for these like federated login systems and such, but basically you can use your, you know, your Google login credentials to access other websites. And there's sort of behind the scenes, like server communication where you're not sending your login credentials to the service you want to use. All, all you do is you log into Google and then Google sends a token to that service and says, yeah, they logged in. Okay. But the difference is with Google and Facebook, the minimum data you're sending them is you're usually sending them at minimum, your email address and most of the time your email address and your name. It's amazing, actually. So I have a uh, project that I've been stalling on, <laughs> but I, <laughs> but um, back in like 2013, I put together a online shared um, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, it's a it's a virtual tabletop for playing Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder games. And when I did that, I didn't want to have to deal with a whole login system. So I hooked into Facebook and Google and you can log into the site using Facebook or Google. And, uh, Google was pretty good about saying like, I, when, as a developer, I can say, I only need, you know, this base, like minimal level of information about the user. I don't really care about any of it. And with, <laughs> with Facebook, like I couldn't stop them from sending me like way more about the person than I ever yep. wanted to touch. And so like, right. you know, I'd send a login, you know, token thing to the server and it would kick back. Like, I want to say it was like name, email, um, like some form of a friends list. Like, yep. <laughs> uh, and you can't turn it off. You couldn't say like, just don't give me that stuff. Uh, my guess is classic Facebook. Yeah. Uh, my guess is that now with, um, you know, current privacy stance, like my guess is you can probably turn that stuff off. I actually disabled the Facebook login cause I was having tech issues with it uh, a while ago. So I don't know what the current state of it is, but, um, yeah, like you, you, you can't like stop the information from going around as a developer. I had to just basically, you know, only pull the one piece of information they actually needed about the login, which was like, are they logged in? Yes. Good. Okay. And then just, yeah. and then delete the object, you know, like don't, don't save it. Don't look at it. Don't touch it. And, um, especially with what's the EU, um, rules, GDPR with the GDPR rules, uh, that went into effect. Like, I, I feel like these controls are going to be a lot more tight nowadays, but, Mm, yeah yeah but still like the point is like you said at a minimum it's your name or and or your email address it's some sort of contact information um and apple stepped up and said here's an option where uh we'll give them a unique fake email address <laughs> effectively so that so they can get in contact with you if they need to but they don't actually have any information about you yeah, they don't know what your actual email address is, and and it's unique to that user for that service. So, effectively, you could turn off that email and never get email from from that service because right. you know you can invalidate that that single connection. 
Yeah, I use it every opportunity it lets me. Same. But yeah, I I, I don't I don't know if I have anything to say about the federal government thing because I, I think they know what they're doing is bad. Like it's not at all going to. It's not really going to help them solve many more crimes, if any, and it's just going to erode the actual protections we have in place. It's. I think it comes down to that thing where if you give them an inch, and this is anyone, people, if you give people an inch, they'll take a mile, or at least they'll try and take a mile, because maybe they'll get half a mile. Yeah. And that makes, that makes whatever in their mind, whatever they're doing, a little easier. Um. And in a data-driven world like we live in, the the quicker and the easier it is to access data, especially on individuals, um, the easier it is to do whatever your job is, whether that's, you know, market towards specific people or access call history or whatever. Um, and I just, I think that this is them trying to take a mile hoping that they'll get half a mile um, yeah and and work eventually work that work down uh to just having all the information that they think they need which i think is too much but it's my personal opinion i'm totally with you on that uh as a techie i am totally offended by this entire concept of a uh encryption quote backdoor right Mm -hmm. it it, anybody who knows anything about encryption, like actually has researched the mathematics behind it, <laughs> um, there's there's no way to have a back door into a encrypted. Uh, I don't know how to describe this. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way to have a back door without making the encryption weaker. Yeah, and not even just weaker, but like substantial substantially weaker so weak to the point that it's not worth having right yeah like it 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 falls apart so fast amazingly you know i i think the the, the companies who have not been hacked to, to to a massive degree right so apple google uh facebook i think all actually handle their internal security very tightly right um the people who haven't you know experian target uh you know the list goes on and on and on and on the federal government um so the the point being that if the feds have some sort of security backdoor and they say like oh we have some magic key that nobody else has but we'll know how to to use this um you know maybe that lasts for six months a year five years who knows but that that cat is getting out of the bag. Like that, yeah. that, that has to happen. It's going to happen. It's it's the nature of the universe, you know, <laughs> lowering in <and> chaos. <laughs> like it's going to happen that whatever the security backdoor is is going to be found and exploited. And yep. Mm-hmm. And it is just insane to think any other way. And it, you talk, you listen to anybody who is you know an actual you know, security researchers, somebody who's involved in the development of, you know, online security protocols, like they all tell you this exact same thing. Like everyone's in agreement who's actually doing this stuff. And, uh, yeah, but, but we're in the, the post truth world. Oh God, I know. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I need some good news. Do you guys have any good news <laughs> for the week? Um, well, I mean, they. Oh wait, there is an op- real quick while we're on this subject, <laughs> just because I was, I was looking down the, the list, it, I uh, I went to the disintegration website for the mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. game that's coming out, and for some reason, probably because the game is going to have a rating of some kind, um, they make you enter your birthday. Yep. This drives me insane. Uh, <laughs> websites, it's like, oh, you need to put your birthday in before we're going to let you view the website because, like... Wait, just just to cut that off real quick, though, you can't blame the sites. No, they're I absolutely can't. Because I 100% legal... can. No, they're doing it for legal reasons. All it needs to ask is, are you over this particular age? Right, but not all the regulations in all the countries are the same. I, I've looked into this before. But when you can fake it so easily, what does it even matter? Yeah. When they, you can just lie. Right. Oh, yeah. Because the only way to prove your age is to get an age verification service, which costs money. So they can't actually legally require a site to do that to access this stuff. So they don't have actual age verification. So they basically have compromised. And what you do is you enter your birthday. <laughs> this it's is stupid. insane. I completely agree with you. It's stupid, but you can't blame the sites because it's all because of regulations in various countries that they have to abide by or they can get in trouble. I'm very curious what the rules are for here in the U.S. because I'd like it if they just skip that for us. That'd be appreciated. Or or just ask that question. Like, <laughs> all right, there's, a, there's an age thing here, you know, uh, this site requires you to be 13, 18, 21, whatever. Uh, are you this age? Yes or no? I mean, all you got to do is you go to the year thing and you drag it down. Oh, I just let I just let the scroll wheel go. I'm like, sometimes I'm like 80. <laughs> just kind of fling it and be like, mm, okay. Yeah. I, Steam, yeah. Steam actually released a pretty funny thing because they, they do it on in Steam before you can watch, you know, a trailer. Actually, before you can even go to a page for a game that's rated M and, and they released a funny report where they were like, you know, what's crazy is that something like a third of the people that visit steam, their birthday is on January 1st. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. One, one. And then just whatever, whatever the score lands on. And they, and they totally wrote the article. If I remember correctly, completely as if they believed it. And it was very funny. You know, what's crazy to me. And this, is more antidotal just on disintegration. Uh, But that doesn't feel like an M-rated game to me. That's the next point I was going to try to make, (laughs) because I don't understand why it was there to begin with. Uh, Well, that's, again, though, dependent on the rules of a country, because you have, like... Yeah, I guess if maybe it was, like, something else in another country, you know, they may have more levels of ratings but i don't have to enter anything when i go to the bungee website to go to you know destiny content yeah i I don't know exactly where the line is drawn bungee don't care (laughs) well and and it is a teen game and i would imagine that it's probably because for some reason in every country that it's rated it's not rated high enough but i don't know but i i know i've looked into this in the past and it they totally do it to protect themselves it has nothing to do with anything else. It's just to protect their own. It's CYA. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, 
Totally. And actually, the funny thing is, if you do the research into it, pretty much all the sites are like, never use your real birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should never enter in your real birthday. Right. It's just, it's so funny because uh, it's so obviously something that people would falsify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, like, it, you're putting it there in the first place just, just undoes. Well, to be fair, I think it probably does do a certain amount of good. Because you're going to probably, with kids that are young enough, they're just not going to understand why it's asking for their birthday. And they're going to enter their birthday. And then it's going to go, you're not old enough to view this. And they're going to go, oh. So it's like a, it's like a Turing test for adults. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay, so it's it. like you might you, – teenagers are going to get through and, you know, 12-year-olds are going to get through. But it's not – you're not going to get like a 5-year-old or a 6-year-old that gets through. That's probably true. All right. That's fair. Okay. I'm going to down for my high horse. <laughs> I mean, I totally agree with you. It's so stupid. It's such a stupid I need pointless... to get, I need to give my horse a rest cuz he's going to do some riding later. <laughs> oh. <in this> episode. <laughs> Actually, I'm just going to dig a hole. I need to get a shovel. That's what it is. <laughs> yep, yep, you do. <clears throat> Bulldozer for rent. So, okay. What else what else has been going on in the world? Uh, well, we we got kind of an interesting new tenant trailer uh, tr- for the movie Tenant by Christopher Nolan. And the main reason I say it's interesting is because they very clearly state that it's going to be in movie theaters in <laughs> July. Yeah. Which is optimistic at best, I think is the nice way to put that. E- yeah. And they also did it for some reason. They showed it in Fortnite before they released it anywhere else, which is weird marketing for what's probably not a movie that most of the target audience of Fortnite are going to go see. Yeah. That cross section of like Chris Nolan, hardcore fans and kids who play Fortnite, I don't think (laughs) is real big, but you, you mentioned uh, Timothy in our, in our chat that like, Warner Brothers is they've got marketing money set aside for this and it's not like they're showing it in front of other movies right yeah. now so I guess let's just get it in front of as many eyes as possible and Fortnite's still probably the biggest game in the world so they probably paid a fraction of what they would have paid to put it in front of a blockbuster movie because mm-hmm. Fortnite probably wanted them to put it there because I'm sure they got higher player counts during the time they were yeah. showing the trailer. Yeah, anytime they do an event like that, they get good turnouts. So yeah. So, so this is a very strange pattern that is emerging where, so Fortnite is a free to play battle Royale game. Right. Right. And, uh, now they're like incorporating real world marketing content for things that are going in, in, the actual world into like the virtual world of the game. Oh yeah. If you thought, if you thought, uh, seeing monster in, uh, um, death stranding was <laughs> weird. You ain't seen nothing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, and this is like, this is years into them doing this too. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. it's nothing new. Um, it, it is just that it's that real world advertising, making it into a game and not yeah. that it really affects 
the game because it's its own separate little thing you can go do, but but it is in the game. Yeah, and it's well, it's a it's a curious uh, change. So uh, when the last Star Wars movie came out, Episode Nine. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm doing that because of the marketing, not the movie. Although I I don't love. <laughs> Please continue. Sorry. No, that's good. Um, yeah. So there, at the beginning of the crawl for Episode Nine. You know, it was like the dead speak, and it says like there was this mysterious broadcast by the emperor, and you don't know what it said. And I went into it like not knowing anything, uh, but it turned out that in Fortnite they actually like put together a little broadcast audio snippet thing of the emperor, like I don't know, making his broadcast and then put it into the game world. It was very yep. strange. Um, and so that was like, that was the broadcast, but it, but it's, it's very, it's, a, they're crossing the streams, right? For, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and Star Wars though, at least make a lot more sense marketing wise, like Star Wars, despite what so many adults think <laughs> is totally marketed for kids. Like oh, yeah, yeah. 95% of its marketing and its des- decisions are to get kids to watch Star Wars. They don't really care at all about adults. So Fortnite <laughs> the adults are going to so... go see it anyway. <laughs> right. And 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 so Fortnite made so much sense there. Yeah. yeah um, totally. And and same with like they've had so many Marvel pr- promotions in Fortnite. I think every movie since Infinity War at least has had a Fortnite tie-in of some kind. Um Yeah, I think so. And and honestly they are also s- very well placed because Fortnite doesn't really have lore like the like it does like the original Fortnite game that wasn't a battle royale game had lore but none of that has been something that's been anything anybody cares about in Fortnite um so they can pretty much do whatever they want they can market straight in the game they can show trailers they can have concerts and it's not going to like mess with any integrity that the game world has you know so it's interesting just because they're so well placed to do this that i kind of understand why they why they're doing it like there's no reason it's not going to negatively impact them at all what i want to know is if you're playing a game of Fortnite and there's like a you know chris nolan tenant trailer pops up do you have to enter your birthday before (laughs) it plays the trailer uh i doubt it because that's got to be an r-rated film right i didn't i haven't actually watched the trailer you actually might i I bet it's pg-13 didn't it show in the lobby like i don't i don't actually know but i think it actually showed in like the Fortnite lobby yeah that'd be my guess my guess too i didn't i didn't watch it there i watched it on youtube like 45 minutes later so (laughs) if if that yeah yeah luckily there was not like an exclusivity like a timed exclusive type thing where it's like i had to wait a day type of deal well Um, and even even then though i I think it's funny to get upset about not being able to see trailers just because you're getting upset about marketing a trailer is just marketing yes you're getting upset because somebody won't let you see their piece of marketing that they want you to see so that you'll go and see their product. Yeah. I just, I don't understand 
when people get upset about trailers in any context. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, though, this trailer finally at least kind of explains the world of... A tiny bit. A tiny bit. And, And that's always Nolan's, you know, prerogative is to not give away too much. And with this kind of work, you don't want to give away a lot. No, no, right. You don't want to, you don't want to give away a lot. But I did feel like I at least had a better sense of what I was getting into than what I've seen previously in the trailers or the like the five minute short that was in front of some movie last December. Don't remember. Uh, I th- what was it? I saw it. I don't remember what it was in front of. It was really good though. Yeah, it was. Even even though it explained absolutely nothing, it was really good. Guy, you don't want to watch the film. I mean, I I already want to watch. The, I, as soon as they said Christopher Nolan, I wanted to watch the <laughs> film. So, so that's really all they have to do for the trailer. Christopher Nolan, new movie, twenty twenty. Like, <laughs> well, all right, I'm going. Not 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 for the average person. Okay, uh, I'm pretty sure most people don't know. Even even nowadays, where. Like, directors are starting to get famous. I don't think the average person knows who directs the film. Yeah. And, really? And some t- hmm. sometimes, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Okay. I wouldn't say my my parents know, and, and my parents watch a decent amount of movies, but they're not film junkies um, by any means. Um, they wouldn't know who, like, J.J. Abrams, like, they would know who J.J. Abrams is, but they wouldn't know, they wouldn't be able to name any of his movies. Right, or they, or they might be able to name one. Right. Yeah, I thought it was a, a, a good trailer, and uh, slowly but surely, we will be able to only show Christopher Nolan's name as more of the world becomes uh, aware of his genius. Yep, yep, and and people realize that all of his movies are very well done, and. Uh, don't really have any criticism that can be levied against them, right? Yeah, not yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. Yep, They're, they they may as well be perfect movies. Yep. Yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much uh, the podcast <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, <clears throat> Michael, this next bullet point, I feel like you you maybe need to update it. Update it, or or I'm I'm curious. Should we do we want to leave people with a tease, like how? Uh, what does this next bullet point say? I don't. I don't know. It, it has swear words. Like we can't <laughs> say it on the air. Um, so I even forget how the conversation started. Uh, we were. I, I remember. We, we the tenant trailer came out. Uh huh. And we were talking and you about asked, it. Do we? And, need to, do you want to watch it? Oh right. And you guys were gushing about Christopher Nolan. I, we weren't even gushing. And about I him. said something about. The, the gushing happened after you asked. I've no, I want to make that clear. We didn't just <laughs> start gushing about Christopher Nolan unsolicited. We were attempting to be helpful. Yes. Uh, and Michael said, would, t- does, would Tenet be a movie that I would be interested in? And I said, well, did you like Inception? And then I think I think I said it's like in set. It looks like it's going to Inception be Inception two, two, yeah, two point oh, not two two point oh. Or, sorry, sorry, important sorry. distinction. Yeah, not a sequel. <laughs> in the same vein, and what we found out through not direct reactions from Michael is that he didn't really care for Inception. Correct. Yeah, and he thought that it was pretentious and had a 
moral that it was trying to teach, which I found very strange. No, no, no. I didn't say anything about the moral. That was somebody else, I don't know, injected that into the... But I did think it was pretentious and uh, was trying to do too much. So so through the course of the conversation, uh turns out I haven't seen Inception since it originally came out. So this is 2010. Is that right? It's been a decade and I haven't seen the movie since it came out. And, and just to be clear, this is, this is not like a, uh, an opinion thing. Inception actually had a severe impact on summer blockbusters. Like the summer blockbusters we have nowadays are more epic and more usually thought provoking because of inception before that they were very much um what's the right word they were just spectacles that's all they were yeah um, it was like the like the old school fantastic fours right, right. it's like hey this is fun visually turn your brain but off. it doesn't doesn't yeah. have anything to think about yeah right are the avengers movies uh summer blockbusters yeah and uh, and honestly though compare like watch those and then go back and watch like the first X-Men movie, Fantastic Four, <laughs> uh, like all those movies that came out when we were in high school, me and you, Michael. Heck, even even Batman pre-Nolan, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Oh, that was like comic book, though. Right, but those were summer blockbuster movies. And that's not really like, a, an, like an opinion-based thing. That's like you can go and read the analysis on like they saw the impact Inception had on the actual Hollywood scene on how they came up with summer blockbuster movies that they actually like thought nobody wanted to think in a summer blockbuster movie. Like there, a lot of movies were like inception with the similar concepts were given really low budgets and they'd be made in basically in off times during the year. So nobody ended up seeing them. And actually the only reason inception even got made was because Nolan had signed a three-year deal or a three-movie deal for Batman. And after Dark Knight was a huge hit, they were like, okay, well, you need to make the next one. He's like, I want to make another movie. I don't want to be stuck making Batman. And they're like, well, we want you to make Batman. He's like, if you give me another movie that I want to make, that I can make an original movie, then I'll make the third Batman. And so they let him make Inception. And that's the only reason it got made the way it did and released the time it did. Even today, I think if you were to like had Inception not come out, but every other movie did, I still think a, a studio green lighting Inception wouldn't happen. Right. Right. For the budget that it had, um, the time slot it had, you know, when it was being released as a summer blockbuster, you, you, the only reason that happened is because it was this perfect mix of, Nolan is this talented filmmaker and the success he had with the first two Batman movies. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, that was just to set up the context of we were talking about 10 years ago when it came out. So Michael, you hadn't seen it, but tell me you've, you've changed your, your, so you've at least changed that. <laughs> I have, I have changed that. I, I watched, uh, <laughs> I rewatched inception this last week. And so I've come to it with a fresh, fresh perspective with some, uh, some things changed and some things reinforced. So <laughs> here we go. Uh, I, I will say, so I, I made some sort of snide comment about Christopher Nolan being grouped, uh, with other 
uh, directors who I don't particularly care for um, right. in having difficulty telling a clean story. And that I think is unfounded. Good. <laughs> I was, I, I think I was mostly burned by the dark Knight movie. Uh, we've talked about this, but I'll, I'll say it again here. Um, the dark Knight as a film, I, I was really into, so I guess back it up memento, which I didn't realize was Christopher Nolan until I started looking into it because of this conversation. Memento was really good. I assume Memento's great. Yeah, that that was a fantastically done movie, especially for the tiny budget it had. Yes, yeah, yeah, even so, right? Um, and then Batman Begins. I really enjoyed Batman Begins, and it was a really cl- like fresh take on the Batman franchise. Which me growing up with, you know, uh, the the nineties Batman's, um, you know, this was a whole whole new concept was really cool. Um, and then dark Knight came out and the movie felt like it was trying to do too much with, with what it was given. It has a long running time and it tries to tell like one and a half stories in that amount of time. And so you start it, uh, the first two thirds I thought were really tight, really well done. And then the whole last third of the movie just like goes off the rails and the whole thing falls apart. Like it kind of just like, it's hard to describe it. It feels like the, the fact that it hadn't been wrapped up just sort of rips apart the whole rest of the movie. Like it just sort of undoes the, the value of it for me. And, um, I think it was with that in mind that I saw inception and when I initially saw Inception, it, it, so it's a very complex movie. There's a lot going yeah. on. There are <laughs> layers, um, <laughs> I don't le- levels, and um, oh yeah, we should, like spoiler alert, I guess for a ten year old movie. <laughs> eh, okay, um, we're going to talk about Inception. Uh, so, so the movie has lots of levels to it, and keeping track of all that and tying them together in a nice clean way with clever twists um, is a difficult task. And right. for the most part, I think he actually did a really good job with it. There are a few like nitpicky little things where it sort of felt like I could see the magicians just like waving the hand, like, Oh, look over here while I like, you know, do the sleight of totally. hand thing. And uh, I was like, you didn't get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, and I will say it's something like, it, uh, especially with modern internet culture that like nobody does get away with that stuff anymore. Um, maybe if you go like, like if you watch movie sins, if you go look at like plot holes, like there's a whole site that does movie plot holes. It's like every single one of those is called out and pointed out. And I think the, I think the reason I don't care about that stuff is because unless you're really watching for him, it doesn't ruin the film. Like unless you're trying to find them, none of them are in a good movie. This isn't talking about inception specifically. None of them usually break the movie. Like you don't go, well, that would never work. So this movie just fell apart. It's usually little stuff that it's like, they just don't explain it. And there's a difference between a plot hole where they don't explain it and a, 
and something where they have explained something and then they completely contradict that <laughs> which right. people just don't seem to understand in modern internet culture yeah and i feel like with inception um and lots of movies do this but there's sort of like things start getting a little fuzzy they've got to keep the plot and the pace moving and right. so the structure of understanding why a character is doing a thing sort of gets, you know, they, they start to hang things on like one line of dialogue and, right. and mm-hmm. it sort of feels like they try to pull a fast one on you and that like, and you saw like, Whoa, Hey, hang on. Like what's going on there? But no, no movies moving. We got to keep going, you know, nothing to see here. Like just keep stay on the ride. Yeah. And I felt there was a little bit of that going on with the film, mostly in regard to the fourth level, right? The, the limbo. Uh, yeah, the limbo. And then there's, there's a little bit in the, the snow, um, when the, where they're at that snow fortress. And the, I can sort of forgive the nature, like in this film specifically, the concept, everything around it deals with dreams, right? And nobody remembers dreams. Clearly dreams are inherently like a, a strange sort of ephemeral, um, and they don't right. make a whole lot of sense, you know, mm-hmm. environment. And so trying to to do too much, um, trying to do too much analysis, I think probably is, you know, just a little ridiculous. I, I've actually had the conversation with people before, too, because like people complain about the timing a lot of times, but they are very careful with the way they always talk about timing in the movie. They never say this much time equals this much time. They go, this much time is about this much time. Like they very, if you watch it, they're so careful about it because it is a dream. And they even say, uh, Arthur's like, well, uh, uh, what's her name? I can never remember how you say her name. Ariadne? Ariadne, I believe. Ariadne asks Arthur, well, like, do you, do you time it? Like, do you use a, a device? And he's like, no, I, I have to count it in my head because nothing, it's a dream. So, like, a clock never works right in the dream. Right. So he has to do it in his head. And then they show the, the clock slowing down and stuff at right, the beginning. Right. kind of, yeah. And, and that, I think that was, that's them. They could stop and explain that along the way. But instead, they just go, we're not going to try and explain that because it's just going to slow down the action of the movie. So we're just going to go with it. Which on top of being like a really deep movie, it's an, it's a really good action movie. It is a, it's a very good action movie. Yeah. It's, it's a well-directed action movie, which just shouldn't surprise me because he did two good action movies with, with two Batman movies, but (laughs) having, um, yeah, having that kind of come out of nowhere, it wasn't. Oh, this isn't just a thinker. I can also, I can also enjoy this. Well, and honestly, I think that was the big reason it had a lot of impact on people, is because the trailers for it just made it look like an action film. Like you mm-hmm. knew there was some weird time and dream stuff going on, but you just were expecting an action movie, and then you went in and and you got to the end, and you're like, oh my gosh! Like I was just expecting really good action, and I they had some really interesting concepts that I wasn't expecting. And I think that was the reason it impacted people as, as much as it did and why it was so well accepted. Um, Would you classify it as a sci-fi movie or not? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, how could you not? (laughs) I don't know what else I'd classify it as. Um, It's almost like a modern fantasy, though. Like, um, you know, I I don't classify Star Wars as a sci-fi movie. Oh, it's definitely not. It's It's a fantasy. But they have stuff in there that they never try and explain with science. And I think that's the difference is there's there's not like hand wavy stuff where they're like, and we have this tech, but nobody really understands it. It's like they have this tech. Everybody knows exactly how it works and they know how to use it. And to me, that's sci-fi. That's like we have this tech. It's been understood. It's been developed. And we follow these rules to pull off our objectives. To me, that's very Mm -hmm. sci-fi. There's no like. And there's this mysterious force that helps you <laughs> dive into somebody's dreams, you know? Okay. Uh, I, I'm curious on your opinion on it. Yeah, I'm not sure how I would classify it. It's it's a little sci-fi, um, but it's like soft sci-fi. You know, it's not... Um, oh, it's definitely not hard sci-fi, for yeah, sure. Yeah, Um They... The, the time dilation thing. So I... Christopher Nolan, apparently it's a bit of a nerd about time dilation and he yeah. loves this concept <laughs> because yep. it came back like full force with interstellar. Um, and is the one subject of that or the one plot hole in that movie that I like can't forgive, even though I do actually really love that movie. He's, he seems to be playing fast and loose with some of it. And they make this whole point about like extended, you know, like, each level you go down, it's longer and longer and longer, um, sort of in the perceived world. But that doesn't seem to hold true to the like limbo, the whole arc of it, really, because they're talking about you know being um, you know it's a ten hour flight, right? Like that's that's their baseline is like a we have a ten hour flight, we're going to be you know under for a little bit less than that, and then but they're talking about weeks. You know, and we don't see that at all. Well, no. So, so there is something you missed and it's very like, it's more context. It's not like them outright saying it when they press the button on that machine. They're not just asleep until somebody pushes the button again. They're asleep until the timer's up. So they're not in there for 10, eight hours or 10 hours or whatever. They're in there for however much time is on that clock. Okay. Got it. And then they have to get out because they're using the kick rather than letting the timer expire. Right. Right. All right. That's fair. Um, But yeah, the, uh, the, the time dilation thing just didn't seem to like match up to the scale. Like they were talking about this scale. And then what we saw seemed very not consistent with that because the whole mountain climbing scene and everything seemed to there seemed to be a lot less time allocated there than I expected uh, right. with you the can, third level. You can kind of yada yada that with the whole idea of you don't really know how, you know, there's the whole explanation of you don't, you don't really remember how a dream starts. You just kind of are there. And so you could say in terms of not only does that thematic with dreams, but it's also thematic with film um, we we allow for time skips in film all the time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there could have been a week's worth of prep 
on you know before the the mountain mission started there just wasn't time for in the movie well i I think it's actually simpler than that so the the time dilation cuts both ways in the movie I i just watched it i also watched it to prepare for this um and there's a few plot points that seriously cut down on the amount of time that they have there's the obvious one at the beginning where his subconscious is militarized Right. So they're like, mm-hmm. we can't take the amount of time that we were going to take. So that immediately cuts all their plans short all the way down. And then they once they get to the snow part, um, Yusuf is getting shot at and he's going to die. So he's like, I got to go. And so he starts the music and Arthur's immediately like, no, it's too soon. And you think about that. If Arthur knows that's too soon, it's way too soon. They never yeah. say how too soon it is, but even five minutes at that time dilation scale that they use is a huge amount of time. So they're basically like up against the clock the entire time because they get cut short twice in two really major ways, uh, going from like having weeks of time to having a few hours of time to having minutes of time. And then in the the one that I a lot of people I know have problem with is when they go to limbo. There's just it doesn't matter. Time doesn't matter. Right. But I think they explained that well enough that it never bothered me. So it it but it bothered me that uh Leonardo DiCaprio Dom Dom ages at a substantially different rate than Saito does. Well but Saito is in there first. But not that lo- like not that long. Like it's pretty quick. Okay, but if, so if they the scales they use are thousands of years to infinite, they say it's somewhere in between thousands of years to infinite. So if he was even there five minutes, an hour before Dom got there, it's all down to his own subconscious. That's the idea, because you're in your infinite subconscious at that point. So it's all down to how you perceive it. And you even think about it in dream logic. Have you ever been like woken up in the morning, realized you woke up 20 minutes early and then you fall back asleep and had a dream that seems like it lasts for hours (laughs) and then the alarm goes off? Yeah. yeah. I think it's the same. I think that's the reason it works. It's like he's in infinite subconscious, which is what they've called it since the beginning. His own mind perceived it that way. Right. He and he's not one. Um, You know, we see. Uh via flashbacks um uh why can't i think of his wife's name ma uh mall 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 and and Cobb, like spending who who knows how much time in there and not aging at all um because again you're i like timothy said it's all about your subconscious and how you perceive uh your reality in limbo and i think saito he has no desire to be there. So he's probably just aging as he normally would. Whereas Cobb, he, he's, he's there on a mission. He, he's there on a mission. He's not going to age um, because he's, he has a goal. That's how I would interpret that. You guys and, are, and I'm, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, you guys are uh, totally nerds about this and I love it. It's awesome. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I've seen this movie probably 20 times so i I feel like i need to watch it more like it moves quickly it's been a hot minute since i've watched it but 
Yeah, I've watched it a number of times as well. Not twenty. And and honestly, like none of, none of the stuff you've said that's bothered you has surprised me because you haven't even brought up stuff that after watching it twenty times, stuff that's bothered me. <laughs> so well, it was, uh, I'm curious, what bothers you? Uh, I think their their explanation of kicks is very inconsistent because there's like this implication that it has to come from the level above you, but then they get to certain levels and they're like, oh, well, I got to give a kick myself. And you're like, but mm. but all the logic in the movie so far has been that the person in the level above you has to give you your kick. Because that's, that's how it would work in a dream is you got to get kicked awake, you know. And and they are very inconsistent about that. Um, that's probably the biggest one. Basically, every time I watch it, I'm like, they're so inconsistent about that. Um, I think that's the biggest one. I don't think the other ones, they're so nitpicky that they're not worth bringing up in this. It's all time stuff like uh I just i'll just give an example to show how it's not really worth mentioning is they're like oh arthur, arthur just has a few minutes to get the kick set up the next kick set up but somehow he ties up all the people together and pushes them into an elevator <laughs> with no gravity and sets up c4 <laughs> and sets it off this is this what i'm talking like, about with with the inconsistency in time dilation right, right. it seemed like we had the same amount of time in the elevator as we did in the snow level like we were racing against the same clock well and i think that's where brett's thing came in though is like they they bring up the fact that well do they have enough time to do this and she's like oh well it would take them an hour to even get there and so it's like there is a large amount of time that it would take them to get there and then they kind of just show the snow part with time separation between them the nature of film editing also uh lends to that confusion yeah because it would be completely uh uninteresting and you wouldn't feel any stakes if you saw those happen you know uh in the appropriate with the appropriate time uh dilation effects happening right like there just w- there wouldn't be any sense of urgency well and and I will say something that I think is a fault of Christopher Nolan is that he expects you he expects you to follow along with what he's thinking. Um and there's signs like the stuff we talked about, like the fact that Ari Ariarty says that it'll take an hour or whatever. And then you have like Dark Knight Rises, where people are upset because of how quickly Batman got out of the pit to Gotham. But if you're actually paying attention to the movie, it's an entirely different season than the last time we saw Gotham. Like yeah. snows on the ground, like it's been months, but people are like, he got there like immediately. And it's like, no, the movie expected you to notice that, Hey, there's snow on the ground. The last time you saw Gotham, there wasn't snow. And for, for, uh, a summer blockbuster movie, that's too subtle. That's not a, an explicit chain enough change for the average audience. And I think Christopher Nolan has a problem with that that in his movies that are mostly action movies, he doesn't always clearly lay out uh, time, the passage of time. Cause I think Dunkirk has the same problem. Which... Dunkirk has, a, I think Dunkirk has a bigger problem with it. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and mostly just because that movie's not about it. It doesn't lend itself to the story at all. Right. Right. You know, inception, uh, it seems like Tenet, Interstellar, they all they all play with time in the plot. Right. It's it's a it's a mechanic of 
of storytelling that Nolan is playing with. And in, and in Dunkirk, it doesn't make any sense to me. It makes sense from an, from an editing standpoint because everything wraps up nicely together. Right. Um, but from a storytelling standpoint, um, for a, a movie that shouldn't require that much thinking, um, <laughs> it, it is definitely, I think something that he struggles with on when he's trying to make his films more approachable. Well, and and I think to sum it up, I'd say Christopher Nolan usually, and and I'd say say this is a fault, not not a plus. Christopher Nolan leans more towards making the editing snappy than making it easily followable. I kind of second that. Yeah, I'm. I'll I'll be the I'll be the uh, I'll play devil's advocate there and just <laughs> I I. For the most part, again, other than Dunkirk, I like it. Oh yeah, I do too. Because I think it, I think it, I think it makes. There's a whole okay, sidebar. Because why the heck not? There's a whole <laughs> like discussion on a forum site that we all at one point frequented about art and yeah, the value of art and whatnot. And I just fundamentally disagree that something has to have mass appeal to have value. Right. And I think it's such a breath of fresh air for every once in a while, you know, every two or three years to get a Nolan movie that is like, does not give an F about like, if you really understand this or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's certainly a fault in the terms of like if a general audience is going to see it understandability um but from someone who's going to rewatch his films a dozen times i love that right well and 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 to be clear about what i'm saying is the problem the reason i find it is a problem is because his movies are marketed for for mass appeal sure they are they are purposely marketed that way and given budgets because they're expected to have mass appeal and so the fact that it's not there i do find it to be a fault now if if he was marketing them as this is a thinker movie this is one that i don't expect the average person to understand i think they're perfect because they encourage you to rewatch them and they encourage you to go okay i get it i think I, i i get where he's coming from but you don't you're never going to on the first watch be like, did that all actually make sense? Like you're never, (laughs) it's never going to (laughs) click. Yeah. I think, and there's a delicate balance there between um, having a film that has all the parts, all the pieces in, in the places they need to be. And it shoots through them really fast. Yeah. Versus having a film that uses the pace to sort of disorient or, or they just don't have all the parts and they haven't thought yeah. it all through. And so if you, you know, on further rewatching, it just sort of falls apart more. Um, JJ Abrams. <laughs> um, I thought you weren't going to mention his name after, after your previous comment. <laughs> I couldn't help it to your point though, Brett, um, there is still a balance, right? One of the things I had trouble following and I'm curious if upon another rewatch of this, uh, which I don't know, Maybe I'll end up doing anyway. Um, But when they're in the limbo and they're talking and and Dom finally 
uh, like reveals his dark secret, right? That, Mm -hmm. that this concept of inception was something that he like inadvertently done to, to mall. Um, that whole sequence and, and the, the like locking away of her, her totem. Um, I did not follow, like, I still am not clear what he was doing said like what the totem is um so so do you understand the concept of a totem oh yes totally so so my understanding of it is that she had purposely she liked limbo so much she'd purposely locked away her totem and i got that so i I followed to that point so then all he did was he went and physically found her totem in limbo and spun it so that in her subconscious, she'd think this is a dream. We have to wake up. So that's what they, I didn't get. Because they were there so long that that had become her reality. She had she had forgotten that it was a dream. So why did, why did him spinning the totem in limbo cause her? Because she because she knows that a a top shouldn't spin indefinitely. Right. I think. I think. I think Michael's saying though, why? How did she know? Because like she never saw it. Is there but, is there some sort of like like uh, spiritual connection that you have with your totem that that is like carried into the? It's more about your subconscious. It's not about the totem. So it's like the same idea as why stealing the information works. Is they put the information in a safe just because of the nature of their subconscious. So it's like if you create a secure location their subconscious is just going to naturally put something in there that they want to keep secure. Okay. Got it. And that's the why, that's why the safe. Okay. Right. I like right. that. All right. So that's, you know, that's the, that's why the information's there and can actually be read. And so it's the same thing with the totem. Okay. Yeah. That, that all moved very quickly. Um, yes. And it kind yeah, of, it does. It, it, and I kind of just wanted to be like, well, can we, can we do that again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you want to you want to hear a, a very like a divisive theory about Inception now that you've watched it again? Yeah, let's do that. So, what's Dom's totem? Right. So this is a whole problem too. Was his totem is her totem, which is like against the rules of the totem. Right. So, is mm. his totem actually the top? No. That's that's where it gets divisive. Is some I'll people, answer that. It's a, the answer is no. <laughs> a lot of people are 100% convinced it is and that he adopted it after she died. And a lot of people are convinced that it's not at all his totem. So the next time you watch it, which I think you should watch it again, look for his wedding ring. Because there are times when he is wearing it and there are times when he is not. So how would that affect? Uh, that's curious. Well, there's, I mean, there would also be times because they do a lot of flashback stuff too. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, the, but here's the interesting part. And I, I've been, I've actually been dying to talk about this for a long time, but nobody talk, nobody's talking about Inception anymore. <laughs> so, so he, so the, the thing is he's wearing his ring whenever he's in the dream world. That's the, that's why a lot of people are convinced it's his totem. So at the end, at the very end, when he finally gets to see his kids, He's where he's not wearing his wedding ring. So a lot of people are like, oh, so he's awake. So like 
the fact that he's not wearing his ring means he's awake. But there's a more philosophical explanation for it, which is he's finally let go of his dead wife. He's accepted that she's dead and that he's not going to ever get her back. So he could still be dreaming and he just finally let go of the memory of his wife. So the whole he could still be dreaming thing, like I remember hearing that about, you know, there's a whole argument about the top at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'd never heard it linked like also to the ring, though. I That's right. not something I had seen. The ring is something not a lot of people talk about. It, it's not picked up on unless you really dive deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something you catch on a first or second watch. I, I think it. It took me about 10. <laughs> when, do, when do you see his, his, he's hiding his left hand. I'm looking at it right now. In the final scene? Yeah, he's hiding. I can't see his left hand. It's behind there, a chair. There's, there's some scenes you can see it in. There's a, there's a number of shots in the plane, in the. Oh, all the way back, all the way back to the plane. Okay. I don't know if you ever see it in the house. Right, right. It's not, yeah, not in the house. And the, in the airport. Um, because the, the, the theory that a lot of people go off of is he never woke up from the plane and he's still in limbo. So if he's ever been awake after he got off the plane, then that would disprove that theory. Right. But, but actually that's, that's like my favorite, one of my favorite things about the movie after watching it as many times as I have. One of my friends uh, hates Christopher Nolan and hates this movie. And it's like, that ending is so cheap. Like they don't even tell you if he's awake or not. It's just a cheap ending. And I'm like, no, like you're missing the point of the ending. The point of the ending is it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Like he's over his wife He's finally accepting his place and his wife's place in his life. And so whether he's dreaming or not, he can be happy. Because that's the thing is, is the memory of his wife was holding him back from being happy or the holding on to his wife was what was keeping him from being happy. Right. So it's like it doesn't matter. And I and I'm I'm like can say that with some confidence that I'm pretty sure that's why Christopher Nolan did it is because it really just doesn't matter anymore whether he's awake or not. Because he can finally be happy. Yeah, you can read it both ways. Interesting. I I do like films that have like a not clean ending. Like this could go this way, this could go that way. Oh, me too. And it, and not a cliffhanger. Which we're specifically talking about like something that'll never get resolved. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't have to all be spelled out. I do like that uh, kind of storytelling. Curious about the ring though. So so is that like the leading theory on what his actual totem is? Is there anything else that uh, could yes could be it uh i don't think there's anything else that i've seen i'm not i'm not even convinced it's actually his totem it's just regardless of whether it's totem it's very significant that they specifically put gave him the ring when he's in the dream world like mm-hmm. it's very significant to his journey as a character yeah yeah gotta wonder what the uh meetings look looked like when they were you know doing costuming and getting the film like prepped yeah because like oh, he's got to be wearing this in this shot. Yeah, I mean that's already like a that's like a whole group of people's jobs on any any movie set. <laughs> yeah, it's, they, kind of, it's kind of amazing. They they literally used to do it with Polaroids on like a key ring, and they'd have like the time written on the Polaroid of when they looked like that. And so then when they had to recreate shots, they'd like go through this giant <laughs> key ring of of Polaroids. Yeah, I can't imagine trying to keep a Christopher Nolan shoot uh, organized because <laughs> not only is the the order in which the story is told not shot in order, 
but you know it's not shot in order <laughs> yeah no no movie is i think yeah like the only <laughs> director that regularly films in order is an insane person which is george miller yeah <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that no I can't, I can't imagine how much that added to the budget of Fury Road. Oh, man, but it paid off. I mean, I don't I honestly don't think that was probably the reason that film was so good. But right. That's a good movie, man. I, I think that's another one, though, that Michael doesn't really agree with us on. No, actually, I like Fury, Fury Road. I it should. It was uh in the Mad Max universe, but um a very different take. I grew up watching, I'd seen all the other Mad Max movies. Mm. Mm, yeah, very different. It, it It's really interesting though, because it is the same guy that made it. So it's like, oh, is it the same guy that yeah. I didn't yeah, know? Yeah. That, so it's, yep. it's basically like he finally got the budget to make the movie he wanted. And he finally got any, and he'd matured as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So, like it's kind of crazy to see almost like the opposite of George Lucas where it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he finally got the money and he finally got to do whatever he wanted and he just scrapped everything that he had done before compared to George Miller where he's like no I can make this like into an actual work of art while being an incredible action film at the same time yeah no I actually liked uh, Fury Road quite a bit cool but it is definitely not uh for everyone and I think having had i had seen the old mad max movies uh sort of gives you an appreciation for maybe where this is coming from oh i i um i hadn't seen them i watched them in preparation for fury road because fury road was being so well reviewed i was like well i gotta see this so i gotta go back and watch them which is (laughs) kind of funny right they're like so drastically different yeah yeah it's not something I'd recommend going back to watch, but like I no. at least had like a base appreciation for for the the origins of mm, especially that saw. first that first movie is so campy. So oh god, campy. it's so it's so bad, so bad. That one I finished once, and that was yeah. I mean, they're all pretty bad though. Thunderdome, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say two is probably the best of them. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, so all in all, Inception, I enjoyed it. Um, it does move quickly. It was not as pretentious as I remembered it being. <laughs> Good. I, I mean, and I'll, I'll be completely fair. The reason I said you need to watch it again is because I totally understand how somebody could get out of that and think it's pretentious. Well, and I hadn't seen it in a decade, so, you know. But well, and I, but I, I know people that saw it and immediately came out and told me it was pretentious, and I'm like... I think you were reading into into it too much. It's like the score and the kind of like the the epic nature of what he's trying to do make it feel pretentious in a lot of ways. But if you actually like dig into it, he's not doing anything pretentious. Like he's not trying to tell anything super deep. He's not trying to like, you know, it's yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty basic. It's a, you know, <laughs> it's it's a heist movie mixed with uh you know, the idea that, I mean, for me, when I think about the theme of Inception, it's a, it's about relationships and, and mending relationships, overcoming things like grief that we have, mm-hmm. um, and focusing on what really matters, um, which to him was his kids. But, but even with all that, 
it's not something you could really apply to your own life. Like you couldn't take anything that he learned in that movie and go, I know how to apply that to me losing my wife. <laughs> like, it's no, just no, not, but it generically, generically speaks to the, you know, need for emotional processing and to like yeah. move on from things that are past. And, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of though, since you hadn't seen it since then, have you watched any of the making of? No. Is that a thing? You should 100% go and watch all of the making of stuff because that hallway fight scene was done completely, completely practically and you need to go watch the making of it. I assume it was, I was watching, I was thinking, okay, so they've got this whole thing on a spindle, like on a spit and they're, and they're rotating it, but the camera is exactly what they did. Somehow the camera was on like a must, I assume it was like on a ring like a ring track and it was somehow staying locked no, in it, it was physical actually space connected to the floor. No, that's what I mean. But there are shots where the, the room's rotating around the camera. Oh yeah. So they, they had both. So they, yeah. yeah, they had both. Yeah. Um, no, that I, uh, I assumed that was all practical. It was really well done. It's, it's incredible. Like even knowing that you should go watch it. Cause it's, yeah, it's nuts. There, there was one shot where they go, they fall through a door, and I thought, "Whoa, <laughs> like <laughs> that was pretty intense." And, and they apparently like just practiced moving on that because basically all they did is they set a speed, and then the actors just had to hit their mark in yeah. the amount of time. And if they didn't, then there was no safety gear. They were just <laughs> just fall. They would just fall. So there's even just like in the making of they show him just like walking around the hall to get the timing of how fast it moved down. So is the uh, making of stuff like um, is that on the disc or do they have those like uh, you might YouTube be able to find or? some of those on YouTube or probably uh, uh, Cin- Cinefix does have a really good um, art of the scene is one of their series about mm-hmm. that scene. Mm-hmm. And that's worth watching, but it's not the same as going and seeing the, the okay. making of. Cool. Yeah, that's a good recommendation. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, Even- I did enjoy it, and and I appreciate you guys uh, letting me say, okay, maybe I maybe I should just watch it again before I before you crap on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dig a giant hole. You guys are gonna toss me in. Look, here's the deal. We're all allowed to have opinions, and we're all allowed to have our opinions change over time. Yeah. So. I, I mean, if you'd come to this and you'd been like, I hated it, I didn't like it, then I'd just be like, me and Michael do not like the same type of movies. <laughs> that, that would have been my end result. I think we should have a regularly recurring segment on here. Not every episode, every no. couple episodes, where it's like movie recommendations for Michael, because Michael doesn't watch enough movies. It's true. I'm not going to argue with that. I actually think that'd be fantastic if we chose an episode, like in an earlier episode, we'd say, okay, here's the movie we're going to, we're going to talk about in, in two episodes. Oh, and, uh, I'd love that. And maybe, maybe that'd be like an every other episode thing. So like, so we'd talk about a movie and then we'd say, okay, here's the next movie. And then we'd skip a week and then we'd talk about it, you know, the next episode down uh, so we'd have to come up with a movie now to go for the next one you guys have recommendations 
Brett watches more than I. So if if he has one that both of us should watch, I'd be down for that. No, the pressure's on. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, things that well, are on my we, watch list. Did we talk about Brick? No, a while we ago? never watched it. No, we, we didn't, never watched we didn't it, watch it, right? it. No. Oh man, we should do that. I think we should watch Brick. Okay, so tell us, give us a quick like, what is Brick? Who who's it by? And what what should we? What's the le- going into it? What should we expect? So Brick is a movie by. Uh, the director of The Last Jedi. The greatest director ever. Ryan Johnson. I don't agree with him being the greatest director ever, but I do I do like him as a director a lot. Um, and it, I believe it's his first feature-length movie. And Correct. it's about a, a teenager who is basically trying to find out what's happening to his ex-girlfriend. And the thing that's interesting about it is it's filmed like a film uh, or like a uh, noir film, a noir detective film. So it's got like the dialogue of noir films a lot. And like all the stereotypical characters you'd have in a noir detective film are in it. Are there any, are there any fedoras? I don't think there's a fedora, but there are some, there are some like clothes even that occasionally match the kind of in style. Yeah. And, uh, it's very, very good, especially for somebody's first feature length outing. It's very well done. Um, and it also has Joseph Gordon Levitt in it. So, oh, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through Joseph Gordon Levitt's entire <laughs> film re- repertoire. <laughs> well, and I, I honestly, I would love uh, to continue on the Ryan Johnson thing to watch The Brothers Bloom, too, because not enough people have mm-hmm. seen that film. It's such a good film. I don't think I've heard of that one. It, it, I don't think it did amazingly well, but it's, it's a very funny, um, emotional film about, uh, con men. Cool. Okay. So, uh, not next episode, but, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to do the odd number episodes. So episode nine, we'll talk about brick. Okay. And that way, anybody who happens to be listening can have enough time to watch it and, yell at us while they're listening to the podcast about what we get wrong. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. And, then, and then we'll let Brett start putting a list of films together that we need to watch. Yeah, we should do oh, that. Yeah. I'll start, <laughs> I'll start, uh, assembling. Excellent. Uh, and then this has gone on pretty long, but, uh, yeah, I think we can call it there. All right. Sounds good. Thanks guys. And, uh, I keep forgetting to plug this, but if you have feedback, um, Feedback at iapodcast.net. It's an email address. My uh, my family members who are listening keep just emailing me directly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling them to Only just stop. Only Michael knows <laughs> what the feedback is. Yeah. It's, 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 it's mixed in among family news, you know? So...
your family communicates via email? Yeah. Interesting. And phone calls and video chats and but yeah. We just have a massive like text message group. Uh yeah, I've tried to wrangle that and make that happen. Um they're really bad at it. So my my family is bad just because they they keep starting new chains instead of using oh, the no, same that, one. I was going to say that's exactly what happens to me. Is like <laughs> and like one person gets like inadvertently left off of one and you like you try to add them on and uh Oh, and I'm usually that one person. So I'll I'll like get <laughs> nice. added to a chain all of a sudden they're like I'll see that the previous message was like Timothy hasn't chimed in. Oh, nobody added him. <laughs> so really what we should have in the podcast is just a Christopher Nolan section. He doesn't have That's that what many we films, do. does he? It's yeah, like, but I could talk about Christopher Nolan for hours. <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get into the whole, like, the whole crew in Inception is basically a, like, a a, a movie crew. Yeah. <laughs> type of metaphor. It's a movie we didn't and, crew? Yeah. Man, yeah. so this is why we have a podcast, so you can talk about this stuff. I know. I felt like we were going long. <laughs> I mean, I, I can edit. I can take out all the stuff that I was wrong about and just jump to the good stuff. So you've got Cobb, who's the director. Arthur is the producer. Ariadne's the production designer. Eames is the actor, or Ames. Uh, Saito is the studio. And Fisher is the audience. Yep. <laughs> Who's uh, and so there's this whole thing. The driver where, guy, the drugs guy. Is he the makeup artist? He'd just be another actor, probably. Wait, let's see. What else did he do? He was just he, the one he, that did the. He drove the van around, <laughs> and he just drove the van around. I don't, the, not just my drove. Nitpick, That's pretty no, pretty not crazy just, driving. No, th- my nitpick with this movie is that. Everyone except Cobb is so one-dimensional. Yeah. <laughs> Ariadne is not too... I mean, she's she pushes she's, him. She's a, she's, a, she's a two-dimensional character, but she's the only other two-dimensional character. That's a, that's a lot of the argument people have for him being dreaming the entire time, is that none of the characters are... Feel that real. They don't have any personality outside of their, point, their uh, purpose in the plot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. It's certainly an interesting. I actually think Eames though is probably the one that has the most personality, and that's just because Tom Hardy's a really good actor, and he has to have personality because he's supposed to be able to take on yeah. p- personalities, right? Like the forger, the forger. Hmm. I I honestly would let like that's a that is actually like a movie universe that I would love them for them to make a sequel. That had nothing to do with this movie. <laughs> like, I would love that him to just be like, we're going to do another Inception movie about some other people that are stealing ideas from people's minds. I would like 100% be behind that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So also to uh, in, not encourage, encourage is hard. Sorry. It's late. Um, to support Michael's, um, original idea that inception is a little pretentious (laughs) uh it's interesting that so one of one of the ways when i was really looking at it again this week i didn't rewatch it but i was i was looking at some some essays and articles about it you know some of the ways people interpret things um like the like we like we kind of said 
um, the team is essentially like a group of people who make movies. It's a, it's a film crew. Um, and dreams are very much like films. And so you almost have this meta, like this is a movie about movies in a, in a sense. And you have a, you, you have actually like a four act structure, um, and then a three act structure within the four act structure. Yeah. <laughs> and so if, if you want to think about it in that like kind of weird meta way, it can kind of seem a little pretentious, but I wasn't really going to bring that up right away. <laughs> and and I don't think he actually intended that. Like if it's, if it ends up like that, it was subconscious, not, <laughs> Ooh. not intentional. Was it, was it subconscious or was it, was it there all the, along or what, did someone plant that in his mind? <laughs> I, th- I think it actually would be much more interesting though. I, I think it's much more interesting as an idea if he didn't intend it like that. Yeah. Because, he he is famously always arguing with the studio. Um, you don't hear about oh, yeah. it. You don't hear it about it a lot because studios are good at squashing that stuff. But if you talk to anybody in the industry, like Christopher Nolan, is very stubborn and does not give up ground. He wants to do what he wants to do, and he's not going to let the studio tell him otherwise. So it would make a lot of sense. Well, he hasn't made a uh, studio film since the dark night rises rises, yeah so that tells you probably all you need to know and wait what does that that mean he hasn't mean he's a good he's a good enough filmmaker that warner brothers will or it's yeah it's warner brothers it's who he partners with mostly um warner warner brothers just basically writes him a check knowing that they'll get a certain amount back just because it's chris nolan yeah and they stay out of his way. Whereas most directors, they'll like try and find a project for him. Like they'll be like, oh, hey, we need a new Star Wars movie made. Let's get Christopher Nolan. Like that's what you would expect from Got it. Okay. a normal big director name. And he's basically told him, I don't want to do that, but I'll make, I've got a bunch of ideas for movies. And WB has realized that he's good enough filmmaker that they're like, okay, make whatever you want. <laughs> And and I think I don't think it's really bit bit them back at all. I mean, no. Um, Interstellar had its problems, but it did really well. It's still very very profitable for them. I don't know if they're if he's made a unprofitable movie. I don't think he has. I mean, I I'd love to, in all honesty, and we don't have to do this anytime soon or ever. I would love to talk about Interstellar because Interstellar is very interesting to talk about because of its flaws. I, that's mm-hmm. one I'm definitely watching before I just say anything about it. Cause yeah. Have you not seen it either? No, no, I have. See, oh, okay. I tend to watch films once. Like I, I don't rewatch them a lot. And like a lot of these films, uh, there's a lot of value in watching them m- multiple times. So it's been six years since you've watched it is what you're telling yeah. me. Is that yeah, 2014? Okay. Yep. Yep. I saw this one in theaters too. So, but gosh, dang it. That, that Matthew McConaughey, he's, oh, and, he's oh a my good gosh. actor. I think I, Gavin Free from Rooster Teeth talks about that movie. Is that it's he's watched it, rewatched it more than any movie in his collection, and it's just because of the docking scene where they're trying oh. to dock the ship while to the space station while it's spinning. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the the best tense 
shots that's ever been made in a movie. I will say that and agree with that, like, hands down. It's so incredibly well done. Michael, now that you have a kid, I'll be interested to see how you feel uh, when you rewatch the scene of him getting transmission transmissions from his kids. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I that, that... ball my eyes out <laughs> every freaking time. That stuff, has it's weird. The waterfalls start, and they do not shut off. 